0: Welcome to the Artist Academy Podcast, a place where we focus on the business side of art to help you attract more customers, increase profits, and ultimately live a life of creativity and financial freedom. I'm your host, Andrea Earhart, and this week's episode features British Columbia-based artist and adventurer, Jessa Gilbert. Jessa creates these giant stylized nature murals along with selling her canvas originals and prints through local shops. Also, she's a wilderness guide for part of the year. So talk about integrating your work life with your nature life. Jessa is the ideal example of someone who is staying true to a specific style of art that she wants to create and building an art career around her own unique niche that she's made up. You'll hear us chat about Jessa's first ever giant mural experience and how intimidating it was. And fast forward to today, she's an open book about how having multiple streams of revenue keeps her business going no no matter what season she's in. So let me know what you think about this week's episode with Jessa Gilbert. Hello, I am here with Jessa Gilbert and you guys chose her. You wanted her on the podcast so bad and we got connected and now we're here. So if you have any questions, feel free to ask her throughout and yeah, we're going to be talking about all things murals and Everything, really. Uh, so, Jessa, can you start off by telling us a little bit about who you are and how you got into the art world? Sure. Yeah, my name's Jessica Gilbert.
1: I'm originally from New York State. I grew up in a small town called Red Hook, which is about two hours north of New York City along the Hudson River Valley region. Uh, I grew up with three brothers. I was a smack in the middle of them. And I started with artwork at a really young age, mostly as just like a way to express myself. I think before you have words, you have mark making and that worked really well for me being in a hectic household and just looking for a place to find my own sort of refuge. It developed into something more of a career over time. I started doing artwork in high school, and pursuing that into college. I went to the University of Vermont for art history, studio art and, um, and sociology while I was also competing in snowboarding and, and trying to balance these two fields in my life where it was really outdoors focused and really athletics or uh, big into the athletics and then also the art side. I worked in like a myriad different jobs from the outdoor industry to design to technical development. didn't really find my way into an art career until after moving to British Columbia. My artwork on the East Coast in Vermont and in New York was very much figurative based. I was focused on figures and dancers and the movement of bodies over time. And how do you express something and make it feel that it's not static? Like how do you make it feel dynamic and ever changing in a medium that's never going to change like paint or or pencil. But then moving to BC after a full (laughs) reconstruction and not really feeling attached to that outdoor community and not feeling attached to even being able to move, you know, when you're an injury, it's it's kind of a bit of a low point. For me, it was definitely a, a rock bottom. I started to use artwork again as a way to express myself and what I was feeling and where I was. So I started looking at the natural world in my new home in Vancouver, British Columbia. This is 2013. And over time, the work really developed into a landscape practice but not so much the type of photorealism or trying to articulate the exact shape and structure of landscape. I'm really focused on trying to express how it feels to be somewhere and and the sort of personality of a place and how it feels to be out in wilderness and exploring and and on these different athletic pursuits, the sort of convergence of both of the silos in my life finally coming together and trying to make it feel joyful.
0: (laughs) Yeah, wait, so you had an injury. Tell me about that a little bit more.
1: Yeah. So I, when I was competing in snowboard, I was doing freestyle and on the East coast, everything's quite icy and conditions are challenging. And I went through five different knee surgeries before I was 27 and it culminated into a full reconstruction on my left knee, which ended up being a really challenging one to recover from both in the sense that it's like quite invasive, but it was also had, you know, challenges with pain medication, with recovery, with muscle atrophy, like all of those things. And when you're injured and you lose, you lose a sense of your identity. Like I identified as an athlete, as a snowboarder, as someone who was physically capable to go and do whatever. And all of a sudden you're bedridden and I moved across the country internationally. Like I, I sort of lost all of the structure in my life that kind of kept me tethered to whatever I was doing in the art pursuits, whatever I was doing in Vermont. And with that sort of flushing, it allowed me to, to start anew and to really, kind of look at my art practice and think like, okay, well, what do I enjoy about this? I enjoy creating where I am and I enjoy looking around. And I enjoy play. And so I really just, I tried to come back in my work to a sense of play and something lighthearted. I started using the single line drawing technique more regularly, like right? I would use it as kind of like a playful meditation. Like I'd go on these small walks where at first it was kind of like, like really a five minute walk is going to take me out for the day, but all right. <laughs> And I'd use the single line technique where it's like a warm-up practice for artists. It's uh, when your pen hits the paper, you move it throughout your piece, and you don't lift it until you're done. And applying that to landscape seemed both kind of futile but also freeing. Like, I didn't care about the finished product. I just was engaged in the process, and I wanted it to feel light. And in doing that over time, you know, and developing this practice of looking and this practice of trying to share where I was... And understanding that it doesn't, it actually isn't about the finished piece in many ways. It's about the making of it for me. That really helped me grow and develop my own style and my own artistic practice into where it is now. It's like caring less about how the finished piece would look. Taking that pressure off of yourself to have this grand idea right at the start really allowed me to explore color and line and shape and play and and make it feel lighter. Which then you enjoy it more so you do it more. like it all feeds back into
0: itself. Really Definitely, fine. I totally agree. Yeah. You have to enjoy what you're doing. How did you start making sales with this? How did that look in the beginning? Like, you know, are you selling a couple here and there versus now you're doing big murals. Like where did that evolution go from?
1: Totally. So I would say that for my whole art practice in terms of studying. And really up until 2013, I always held a full-time job. I worked in the outdoor industry. I worked as a gallery attendant. I worked in fashion. I worked wherever I could. And I had artwork on the side with my only goal to be have the artwork sustain itself financially. So sell prints or original pieces to pay for the materials, which materials, like, especially if you're, you know, using, going to, like, I'd go to thrift stores and find frames or I'd paint over old canvases. Like there's ways to do it inexpensively, especially at first. I'd show in group shows around Vancouver. I'd, I'd put my work online. I used Instagram really heavily on uh, Facebook. Like I think that showing the process of how things are made, it, it helped people kind of engage with what I was doing. And then all of a sudden this really simplified drawing they can see where it comes from and feel connected to the piece. Even if the finished product again, doesn't really look like Mount Garibaldi or whatever it's designed to look like. So yeah, at first it was really, it continues to be a modgepodge Like it started at first with gallery shows and small prints on the side. I think what I've learned over the years is having a really bare, um, a variety of price points is really helpful. So originals being your top tier and like stickers or something small being the lowest. It, it allows people to engage with your work on whatever financial level you're at. And it's quite inexpensive to make stickers or postcards or greeting cards, things like that, prints, eight by tens. I think we're in a world where we want to feel unique and individual, and, and a lot of people like a variety of art. We are inundated with visual language through our phones or social media or marketing. And to be able to offer something that might be small and handheld or might be inexpensive or something that's really special and an original has allowed there to be a broader audience to what I'm doing, which I think has been important to sustaining life as a, a visual artist. Digitizing the work as well has been really helpful. I wish that I had a better camera early on when I was photographing my paintings to then make make prints. Because prints, like if you're able to sell an original and prints of a product and potentially market that to like an outdoor brand to put on skis or snowboard or whatever it is, if you have a high-quality photograph, you're able to do so much more with it. You can put it on a billboard if you want. And if you don't, you are stuck with just one product to sell, which is your original. So again, like... Setting yourself up for success early on. I wish I could have given myself that advice and actually listened to it. Invest in a good camera and document what you're doing.
0: Yes, document. Yeah, I just this morning I so it's it's Shark Week, right, R- right now. Anyway, as the time I was recording, <laughs> and so I have this really big mural of a shark that I did years ago, but I took no video of it. I there's like one photo, and I'm like, ah, oh, this would be so great. I would have, I wish I would have documented the process, at least done a time lapse or something. To be so, yeah. So prints of your work, which it, this is going to air right during you know right before the holidays and right during where people can sell prints a lot more really to like people who are buying Christmas presents and all of the things. How much like revenue are you bringing in for prints versus like originals or murals?
1: It's really varied. I would say that I have, (laughs) I've been really slow to get into the print game. So I've only been offering prints for about three years now. And I'd say that it went from about 20% to maybe 40% of the revenue that I have. And that's a variety of both, you know, working through a third party print shop like Society6, where for me, it was really important to not hold on to inventory. I moved around a lot in the last 10 years. And the thought of sitting on a stack of paper was anxiety building. So you don't make as much as an artist, but it's a great platform to have your products next to other artists, to have really easy customer service, customer facing yeah, customer service that is done through their platform and they're quick and able to get back to people. Like I'm on the road a lot. I work as a guide in the winter. Like I'm not the best person to be uh, managing that. Which it's good to know like what you can and cannot do. I'm not great with email, so it's time I start delegating that. Things like that. Murals, I would say like in general murals are they're a larger price point. And so in terms of like the ratio of my yearly income, it's quite substantial and it definitely varies every year. It's I would say it varies every year, but it's been quite a, like probably another 40% of what I do. I'm not great with numbers. (laughs) So I just, I know that the prints in conjunction with the murals, in conjunction with originals, in conjunction with my backcountry guiding work, all feeds into the same salary. And every year it kind of tips and varies. Like last year or two years ago when COVID hit, all of my guiding work disappeared. Uh, but people were buying more prints. So it's kind of like having a diverse portfolio so that if something happens, like we're in kind of a a bit of a recession right now. So maybe originals aren't going to sell as much. So having lower price points and prints for people is a great way to still have some source of income while not relying only on the top buyer, if that makes sense. I've seen like it just, it fluctuates every year. Last year, I had three murals one summer. All three of them were for corporate clients that had a good budget. So again, it shifts versus doing something for like a town or a school.
0: Yeah. How are you pricing your stuff, your murals? How does that work and originals and things?
1: Yeah, everything's on a sliding scale. So in general, it's based on the sort of complexity of the design, what the type of wall is. Like If you're painting on brick versus if you're painting on drywall certain surfaces are more or less challenging. So that goes into the pricing design. Where it is, I don't include travel in my budgets. I think it's really important that that be separate because if you're traveling during peak season, for instance, or if you need to fly somewhere, like those are expenses that really into the cost and having a a bit of negotiation where that lands has worked for me and I think it's really important. So for murals in general, it's between 25 and $45 per square foot. So that's like a general range. And that's like just to get kind of the conversation started around, is this affordable for your client? Is this doable? And does the timeline make sense? Once we agree on like that range, then it's a matter of like going back and forth and saying, okay, what design are you looking for? What's our timeline? How can we incorporate your or the business's sort of identity within to the work while it still feels like something that's made by me? There's been times where clients are looking for something that I've turned down or I've passed to other artists that I think would be better suited for the role, which I think is a really important part of being in an art community as well. Like, I love giving work to other people and I've gotten work same way through friends like that. So building a network where, like, if someone comes to me for typography, like, I'm not great with fonts, so I pass them along to uh, an artist friend of mine, Alex Falks. Like, and so having that network has allowed like different clients to come through collaborative opportunities and the work to keep building. So I know it's a bit of a tangent off the financial side, but I think that it's always a moving, moving scale. And then depending on where you're living and the cost of living, like that can come into things too, as people start to build a price point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you have all the different things going on. Sometimes I feel like I have too many things. and But no, this is a good reminder of, oh, no, like you never know if, if murals could dry up for the winter and people would be getting more originals or prints. It's just good to have your have your hands in a lot of different things. Where are you getting your customers from? Because I I know that you mentioned Instagram is a good one. And in the beginning, you did a lot of like shows and whatnot. Nowadays, how are you getting hired? Because a lot of people who listen to this are like, okay, I want to do all that. All that sounds great. (laughs) But how do I find somebody to buy my art?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely challenging. I would say that, again, having multiple streams. So I use Instagram as a way to showcase my process and to interact with people just on a general scale. It's a nice place, a landing page that's a little bit less refined than my website, which people can contact me through, the Instagram or the Facebook page. It's a bit more of a personality, I would say, and it's a bit lighter. Word of mouth has been really good. So I think like having good relationships with your clients is really important and following up with them. Documenting your process has worked really well as well. And so when you're showcasing like, hey, I did some work recently for a company called Qualtrics and Provo. And I just put up, it was done in the fall last year. I put up a video a couple of days ago and it not only reminded the client of our relationship, it kind of brought in another another sort of interaction with that piece. And then some inquiry came after seeing that. So social media has been really important. My own website, word of mouth, being in shops. So I sell in Squamish here, I sell stickers and prints and small products and having a community presence so if people, you know, they find your work here, they look up your website and it kind of tells a bigger story or they go to someone's house and they're like, oh, what, what artwork is that on the wall? I'd say that that kind of word of mouth and trickling through has been helpful and reaching out, like especially for murals. There's a lot of mural festivals around the world and I apply to 20 to 50 every year and get a lot of no's, which is also an important part of the process. Like you have to be comfortable hearing no and be comfortable with things falling through and be comfortable with it not going the way you planned and moving on. Like life is, but a contingency plan and the more malleable and versatile we are in terms of like shaking that off and moving forward, because it isn't always about your work, the fact that it didn't get chosen or it doesn't go somewhere. It could be the client's needs. It could be the timing. It could be all sorts of things. And if we take it personally when we don't get the job, I think our work suffers. So you just have to keep creating for your own needs and really, really clear with what that's about. And I think the work will then better come. It's like, rather than worrying about like, oh, certain artists are getting these gigs, I'm not getting chosen, I'm still applying to all of them. You have to just keep working. Like You have to just keep doing your work and doing your art and be okay with that.
0: Yeah, and you have a very unique style. And it's really interesting to me, uh, when I see other artists who have a very unique style like you do, and it's very cool and colorful, and, but you can tell that you made this, this mural or this original. How did you keep with that style? Because I know that, and it's probably different because I, have people requesting all different things. And so I am all over the place with doing colorful stuff. I'll do natural like realism stuff. And then we'll do letters and logos. And so it's interesting to me when people aren't all over the place. So how how does that work?
1: I guess my follow-up would be a question back to you. It's like when you do all those different pieces of work, does it still feel like your work? Or are you a creative in the sense of more like a graphic designer where you're taking the client need and you're producing... To what they because I think they're like they're slightly different. But if it feels like your own work, like that for when you're creating, does it?
0: It depends. Sometimes yeah. they they let me take creative freedom more than others. And sometimes they're like, oh no, no, like we we like this thing. And I'm like, okay, whatever, it's money, I'll do it.
1: <laughs> totally. Yeah. I would say like, well, one, it's like it's amazing that the style is recognizable. Like that is wild to me. But I think again, it just comes back to working. And I've been In a good or bad way, I've been really reluctant to take on things like tattoo designs and clients that are looking for a, a very specific thing. I don't do many commissions because I get really, I get really uncomfortable with the creative process when I'm trying to meet somebody else's needs. Like when clients come to me and they say, we love your artwork, here's our wall, here's our brand, what can you do? And it's like, it's very broad. I love that because it's, it's sort of this creative problem solving. But when it's like, we love what you do. We want a grizzly bear with a mountain in the background and a sun. I'm like, "Well, you already have the design, <laughs> and I don't I don't paint bears." Like, and so I like I get like a little bit uncomfortable that I'm not going to be able to create something that they enjoy. So it's worked way better for me at least at this time as I like build more confidence with my style and with my art and what I'm trying to do with it is just to create originals and have them available. I think that my goal or my hope is that it's kind of like creating a show if people are connected to your artwork, hopefully you create something that speaks to them, whether it's a specific range or a color palette or whatever. And it's, I'm constantly pulling in minimal and more dynamic. So it's like the single line stuff and the minimal line drawing and the really colorful, outrageous pieces. And they're like kind of pushing and pulling of this sort of design idea of like, how much can you say with so little? And how much can you say with like all of the tools? So for murals, again, it like... I've tried to be really specific with the clients that I take on as well, which is hard. It's hard when a client comes and it's a great price tag and you can see the piece would be easy to create or doable. And it's just, it doesn't feel right. And I think that my theory anyway, is that if you're really true to what you're doing and you keep that authenticity and you don't waver, then your work will always feel like your own. Early on in my career, I did a couple like poster graphics for events that felt nothing like my work and it drained me and I didn't enjoy the process and I was anxious that it wouldn't actually look good. And it, to me, like personally, mentally, emotionally, it didn't make any sense. So I'd rather work three times as hard chasing other clients or getting guiding gigs or having a diverse portfolio or trying to be creative or living frugally, like all of those other ways to make life affordable. Than to not sell out, because I think that term is like really a lot harsher than it is, but not to take projects that don't feel connected to my mission. And that's taken a really long time to kind of come back to. It's like, what do I want to do as an artist? I want to share the joy of spending time outside. And that's a broad enough statement because that gives me room to play and to move and to change. But if it's outside of that sort of parameter, it doesn't make sense for what I'm doing. And it's okay to revisit that as well, which is I'm going on a bit of a tangent here because i I think that like the style perhaps or the way that I work, it develops over time based on what I want to see in my own work, not what clients are coming to me with, which has been good and bad, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, no it's it's just good to hear that. you're actively taking steps and turning away work in order to keep it within something that you you want to do. And so it's just good to. It's just good to hear the the insider information in that. that. Totally.
1: Yeah. (laughs) A few friends and I were talking the other day about Ed Hardy, for instance. Ed Hardy was a tattoo artist that sold the rights to his name, if I understand the the whole scheme correctly. And then it was just everywhere. And it was like bedazzled and and crazy designs. And it kind of started to look less and less like Ed Hardy and more and more like something else. And I think when I when I look at that kind of story, it's like he he took a price. He took a a really financially viable opportunity and it became something else. And that's totally fine. But I think for me where I'm at in my art career is I don't want to have the work just be stuck in a capsule or to be watered down or to not feel true, not feel authentic, because then whatever story that I'm trying to tell doesn't have the same weight. Because like, well, she is that, but she also has these other random things going on that don't actually do that. Like, she's trying to live. if <laughs> you're we talking about sponsorship too. It's like, oh, she's trying to live sustainably, but she has Exxon Mobile as a sponsor, which yes, sponsorship <laughs> would be great in a lot of ways. But I think it just it goes against. Like, you got to kind of figure out where your your ballast is and where your sort of bumpers are.
0: <laughs> so true. Do you have any crazy stories from? Just art related things, anything dramatic or funny or anything that people can learn from?
1: Oh man, probably four days. But I think the one that kind of sticks with me that I'll share is my first ever mural project with the asterisks of I had done a bathroom before this, but I was working full time at a job because to kind of backstep, I get asked a lot what it's like to be a full time artist and how do they do it? And I actually have no idea. (laughs) I, in many ways, feel like I stumbled into it knowing very early on that I wanted a career that was creative, but not knowing what it would be and being okay with like kind of having these redirects. I worked in product development in the States. I worked in galleries. I worked in food. Like I worked in music, like, you know, kind of experiencing all these avenues, but I always had a full-time job going back to what we talked about with the art sustaining itself. And in 2015, I believe it was, maybe 2016, I was at a full-time job, had an outdoor retailer. I loved all the people I was there with like I did not feel fulfilled. And I was starting to have to turn down my side job, my side art projects because of my full-time job that didn't actually fulfill me creatively. And I had applied for this outdoor mural project in Whistler and I got it. And it was a 2,500 square foot mural in the Creekside underpass, which is massive. It's like It was two walls. One was about 50 feet wide. The other was about 70 feet wide. There was retaining buttresses on either side. It was corrugated concrete. It was enormous. And I was so excited until I got to the site and realized how big it was and felt so overwhelmed and just like, this is the biggest mistake I have ever made. I have not. And I had people in that town, other artists tell me, you've never done a mural before. You don't deserve this piece. You're not experienced enough. You're never going to do it. Like all of the negativity started coming at me, which was really challenging to then sit in the space of like, well, I got the bid anyway. So I'm still needing to do something on this wall. And just being committed to the fact that I was going to stay there as long as I needed to, to finish the piece. And I asked for help, which is felt really uncomfortable. (laughs) I asked for, I got an artist assistant who had done murals in the town to help me for the project. I leaned on my community in terms of like, I don't know how long this is going to take, but maybe like just come down and like hang out every now and then, or, and my girlfriends would show up and they'd support me and the town was really receptive. And I learned a lot from this muralist that I was working with. And I mean, it took a lot longer than I think I would now, you know, we had kicked over buckets of paint. You know, I was, I was trying to do this really complex design with a lot of straight lines that you then had to like bend into these cracks every two feet. So it's like, I didn't consider the wall. <laughs> I was just kind of like fighting an uphill battle, but it ended up being completed within about a month. I learned so much in the process and it really started to kick me into a different type of art career, which was murals, which I had never done something that big. So I think like what I learned then and what people asked about is like, how did you know you were ready? I had no idea. In fact, I got there and I was like, there's, I'm not, I Bad. (laughs) I need to go back to my desk job and give up art full time because this is way too intimidating. And I feel like an imposter. And I had that like imposter syndrome flare up. And you know, listening to Seth Godin say, like, he has a quote where he says the imposter syndrome is actually really important. It means that we've never been where we are currently sitting, and that's where growth happens. So staying in that discomfort, asking for help and moving through it just one day at a time was really important to then, like, building confidence bit by bit, finding different clients, asking for help from the art community to then build and so we can all grow together. Because if all the artists, like, instead of fighting, like, there's not enough room, there's always enough room for art if we build a creative community. And I think that that, all of those lessons, I wouldn't have learned had I been like, nope, this is too much, I'm going to go back to prints and I'm going to slowly build to that moment. Like, I shot for a home run, I don't, yeah. I think that might not be as funny because I'm trying to keep it short. There are definitely some moments in that whole thing but I'm really grateful for that opportunity. And I'm really grateful that I didn't walk away and that it was hard (laughs) and that I tried something big and... Happen to work out.
0: Yeah. It's so funny though, because like hearing that and some of my early murals and I have a bunch of students who they get some crazy jobs in like the first couple murals that they'll ever do. They're like, Hey, so I have to do this ceiling and it's like way, it's like 20 feet up and then it's giant and we have to do this. And I'm like, what? This is your first mural job. You're getting, you're doing a ceiling or you're doing, doing something crazy. Like I, I had one girl, she got a giant silo. So where it's like, high off the ground it's a curvature so you can't really project it I'm like okay this is going to be one of the hardest ones you'll do and they're all going to seem like cake after this and that sounds like that's the same <laughs> thing that was happening with you
1: totally i had never used spray paint before i didn't know if paint sprayers existed i it didn't have anything level it was all these unfixed boulders that i was trying to put ladders on i couldn't get scaffolding in there i couldn't use a crane lift i didn't have a painter's pole so i was like yeah all the things that you learn for being thrown in with the wolves And just asking, like, I wish I asked more questions. I'm like, hey, what would you recommend as like how to paint this wall rather than just going in and be like, I'm going to mix my paint colors on site. I will never do that again. I thought like I could just show up with the primary colors in white and then like kind of create those tints rather than going off a palette of a design that you make and trying to match those palettes to Pantone. That would have been so much easier because I would like run out of a mixed paint halfway through a fill. And I'd, ha- I'd try and like color match it and I wouldn't get it right. And then I'd have to do the whole thing over. Like, oh man, <laughs> I'm like flashbacks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But now you're, now you're doing the thing and you're doing murals like it's nothing. And you know, it's just, it's a good inspiration for people just to know, like you can you start out small and then it, it gets easier. I mean, I say easier in quotes, because there's always tough parts to this job.
1: You know? Totally. <laughs> And I think, like, I still, like, I just worked at a a music festival this past weekend, and I was live painting. And every live painting gig, whether it's a mural or an event, like, I still get nervous about it. Like, it's still really hard to have someone see a painting in in the process and, like, half finished. And they're like, like, I did a mural in Vancouver at the MEC location. And at the end, this contractor who had been there the whole time came up, and he's like, wow, it really turned out well. I thought a child was working on it at first. (laughs) It's like... Wow. Thank you so much (laughs) because you have to build it slowly and incrementally. And, uh, you know, people are like, Oh, it's so easy. And it's like, I still get anxiety. Every piece that I make, I still wonder if it's going to work out. I'm, I'm still like kind of scanning it. Like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know about this one. Like I'm trying something new. Maybe I should go back to what I already know works. Like, I think like staying in a bit of discomfort is actually okay. And every wall is going to be different. Like every wall is going to have different pros and cons to it. Like I, I just finished another piece in Vancouver and it had the wall, but then it had this sort of like fixture offset and a bunch of piping that went through. And so having to tape and work around these weird fittings, and then it's an active construction site and they're like drilling into concrete, like 10 feet from me and like trying to just like create, like I'm in my Zen creative space. And they're like, I'm like, (laughs) you know, and they're like coming up and asking you and talking to you and you're just trying to stay focused. (laughs) <laughs> I think we could kind just got to laugh it off at times, but it's also okay to be unsure. Like I'm unsure a lot. I want to like be really clear and transparent about that. Like I'm figuring it out as I go as well with a couple tools that I've picked up along the way that make it slightly, like you said, slightly easier, but that's always going to have some challenges and that's okay because that means that you're working outside of your comfort zone and you're growing and building and that's what it should feel like. <laughs> It shouldn't feel too easy because easy is stale. I think
0: easy is stale. <laughs> it is, and it, I feel like you, you appreciate it more when you've had to work harder for it, or like you've had those lessons. You like because afterwards you can you can look at that mural and you're all be like, oh, higher in that, higher in that paycheck.
1: <laughs> Definitely, yeah. And also, like, I started over the last couple of years. I got an iPad and I started doing more of the designs digitally first, and and putting it up onto the wall so that the client can see it, which is a great tool. And like again, like as your students are developing into a mural practice like being able to show the client what the mock up could look like and for your own self like okay does this design actually fit the space rather than getting there and be like maybe <laughs> maybe it'll work out like it just kind of helps give you a sort of a ballast but also knowing that the clarity that you get in digital coverage isn't always going to be the case like your dark color might take you six coats to make it opaque. And <laughs> rather than your Procreate file, that's one quick swipe of the Apple Pencil. And yeah, I was working outdoors with uh, another artist this past week named Dominic Kalita. And he's a really talented graphic designer. And this was his first exterior wall. And he had commented like, it is so frustrating to actually physically paint something because it's not opaque your first swipe. <laughs> like You have to really look at the quality of the paint. And does it have brush strokes in it? And is it dripping? It's like it's this whole other thing. (laughs) Certain colors have better coverage. Like
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, like yellow is terrible (laughs) coverage. Terrible. Yeah, the iPad has me so yeah, the iPad has me so spoiled with the double tap and I'm like undo now that whole line is completely gone doesn't matter so easy. <laughs> <laughs> yes well thank you so much for coming on here and being just so open about your journey and everything I think it's I think it's a good refresher for people listening that it is a journey but it can be a fun one and that you can incorporate your interests with what you do as well and as long as we stick to that then we can keep you know building an art business that reflects who you are because that's exactly What you're doing? So, thank you for sharing all of your knowledge.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I try and always repeat for myself that progress is a process. So you just have to stay with it and stay with it. And you might go up and down and backwards and forward, and it's just part of the process. So learn to love it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Learn to love it. Oh, I like that. (laughs) So true. Awesome. Well, Well, thanks so much for having me. (laughs) Good thing we will keep in touch. Have a great rest of your day.
1: Thank you too. Bye.
0: That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Artist Academy podcast. If you've liked this episode and you've liked the tips and inspiration that you've gotten from it, then I want to encourage you to join our Artist Academy Advanced membership. We are currently going through the yearly fourth quarter success plan designed to help you the artist in need of a little marketing direction, make money with your art during the most profitable time of year. If there's ever a time to double down on your art business efforts with promoting and pitching and sending out the emails that you know you need to send out (laughs) and creating holiday window art and getting clear on what you're offering this holiday season and communicating that effectively with your audience... Now is that time. Every year I double down on my efforts to sell during the fourth quarter and every year I get better and better at it and make even more money than any year prior. For example, like my yearly sale where I started off making $1,000 in one day the first year I tried this. Then the next year got even better, tweaked my messaging a little bit and made $3,000 in one day and then the following year made $5,000 in one day selling the art that was just sitting on my website that nobody had yet purchased, just by enhancing my marketing and promotion efforts with this fourth quarter success plan. Every year, I give you the exact game plan that I'm using refined by years past in the form of step-by-step videos and templates for you to use to sell your unique art. Whether it be originals, prints, or my favorite, murals i make it really easy for you to get some help with your art business plan during this very timely part of the year go to artistacademy.co that's artistacademy.co or click the link below in the notes to apply and join our group of highly encouraging artists from all over the world again it's artistacademy.co and i'll see you inside the membership for our fourth quarter success plan